Two people, take a stretch. Been sitting for a little while. Thank you, Jennifer. Okay, well, thank you, folks. You know, if you listen carefully through Jen's story there, you'll, you'll see how God, God often speaks very softly, very, often very gently. We hear lots of, we, well, we hear some stories of God almost hitting people around the head with a brick, you know, um, but for most of us, it's actually quite soft, and we can miss it for a long time. And I hope that if you haven't, um, personally come to know Jesus Christ, you'll start listening because he's around your life also. I want to just talk to you for a, a, a little while today about um, and highlight one of the ways that God motivates us to get involved, and it's by the emotion of frustration. Anyone ever been frustrated in your life? Give me a wave. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think I'm sure every, every hand is going, and in your head it's true as well. Because if you're, if you're frustrated, it can actually be a really good place to be, believe it or not. Um, often we see frustration as bad. I shouldn't be frustrated, but it can be good. And the reason why it can be good is that when you're frustrated, it's, it's often the precursor to change taking place. If you don't get frustrated enough, then, then your, what, you, what you would love to see happen, your preferred future, the, the new things that could happen can be replaced with a flick of the remote and you're onto another channel and all of that's just gone. But if frustration starts to build in your life, it can get to the point where you think, it's got to change. I don't like the way that whatever keeps happening or isn't happening. Frustration can actually be a really good thing. Uh, let, let me just help you to get into the subject by giving you a few thoughts about frustrating days. Back in 1989, there was a big oil spill in Alaska. It was called the Exxon Valdez oil spill, and they had to clean up after this tanker had split. And the cost of cleaning up um, and rehabilitating just one seal was $80,000. And after everything was cleaned up, they had a ceremony where two seals were released back into the wild to cheers and applause from all those that were watching. And within two minutes, a killer whale ate both of them. <laughs> that was a bad day, a frustrating day for the people that had spent all that time. Another story, a teenager had just gotten his driver's license and he said to his father, who was a pastor, if I could, could I use the car, Dad? And his father said to him, he says, look, I'll make a deal with you, son. You bring your grades up, you study your Bible a little bit, and you get your hair cut, and then we'll talk about it. So after about a month, the, the son comes back to his father to assess things. And his father says, son, I'm actually really proud of you. You know, you've brought your grades up. You've been studying the Bible. I've been watching you. But you didn't get your hair cut. So the young man waited a moment and he replied, you know, Dad, I've been thinking. Samson had long hair. Moses had long hair. 
Noah had long hair. And even Jesus had long hair, Dad. To which his father quickly replied, Yeah, and they walked everywhere. (laughs) Frustrating day for the boy. Third story, a woman came home, screeched her car into the driveway and ran into the house. She goes, and she slammed the door and shouted at the top of her lungs, Honey, pack your bags. I've won the lottery. Husband replied, Oh my goodness, what should I pack? Beach stuff or mountain stuff? She calls back, I don't care, just get out. (laughs) Life is not always rosy, as Jennifer was saying. Our relationships strike trouble, our cars break down, and we don't always enjoy our work. We can get frustrated. But how do you respond when you get frustrated? Sadly, many people stay in frustrating circumstances year after year as if they just got to live there for the rest of their life and they they just don't make changes. How do you respond? I want to take you to a passage in the Bible where everyone's frustrated. You know, the, the, the leader is frustrated, the people are frustrated, even God's frustrated. It's in Numbers chapter 11 and verses 4 to 6. You'll see it up on the screen or you can open your your tablet up and and read it with me. In the NIV, it says, The rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, If only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish. Remember how succulent it was, how sweet it was that we ate in Egypt. And it didn't even cost us anything. Also, the cucumbers, oh, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. And they're kind of salivating at this stage as they're, as they're moaning and wailing. But now we've lost our appetite. We never seen, see anything but this manna. And then in verse 10, Moses heard the people of every family wailing, each at the entrance to their tent, and the Lord became exceedingly angry. That's a phrase you don't hear all that often, but... This, this group of people moaning about the food got him really, really angry. And Moses was troubled. He asked the Lord, Why have you brought this trouble on me, your servant? What have I done to displease you, that you put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land you promised on oath to their forefathers? Where can I get meat for all these people? Remember, he's out in the desert at this stage. They keep wailing to me, give us meat, give us meat to eat. I cannot carry these people by myself. The burden's too heavy for me. If this is how you're going to treat me, God, put me to death right now if I've found favor in your eyes. He's pretty ticked. The Lord says to Moses, bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are, who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people and have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you and I will come down and speak with you there and I will take of the spirit that is on you and put the spirit on them and they will help you to carry the burden of the people so that you will not have to carry it alone. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and spoke to him, and he took of the spirit that was on Moses and put the spirit on the 70 elders. And when the spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but they did not do so again. However, two men whose names were Eldad and Medad 
had remained in the camp. They were supposed to be there, but for some reason or other, they, you know, was a, yeah, they got up late that morning, maybe. Anyway, they were in the camp. They were listed among the elders, but they did not go out to the tent. Yet the Spirit of the Lord also listed, uh, rested on them, and they prophesied in the camp. So, wow, here's this amazing story being told of a true incident that actually took place where Moses was put under incredible pressure with the people all moaning to him. He's totally frustrated. The people had to line up all day just to be able to get to talk to Moses, and now they were complaining about the food as well as that. And the frustration drove Moses to some real, honest, and downright desperate prayer to God. He knew he couldn't continue like this. It was just untenable that it would actually keep continuing. It had to be different, but he didn't know how it could be different. And I want to say to you that if frustration gets to the point where it drives you to God, you're onto a good thing. It's good. Because without frustration reaching a certain point, we will just go to bed, get up the next day, and have another day. And he didn't want to go back into that situation where everyone is looking to him and telling him that the past was much better than the now. You know, we can get frustrated about many, many things. I reckon as I'm talking, all sorts of things are coming back to you or, or are before you now that you're thinking about. I had a friend who was working in community ministries, and she was at a community ministries hui. And everyone was saying that you can't talk to people in the community about Jesus and receive public money. And she was hearing it privately. She was hearing it from the stage. And eventually she got so stirred up when it was her turn to speak, she said, of course you can. You can talk to people about Jesus. You just have to do it wisely. And, you know, it's very true that the Maori health model that's accepted by all our district health boards uh, is, is called Whare Tapafa, and it talks about a house with four walls, four walls of the house, and each one of those walls is necessary for the house to be able to be strong. And, and there are four different aspects of a human person's life where, where one of them is physical. We've got to be exercising and keeping ourselves physically well, but also we've got to be emotionally well in our emotional health. And then we've got to be relationally well to our extended family and our, our whanau, if you like, to say it in that way. But then the fourth wall is the spiritual wall. And where people are looking for help spiritually, you can talk to them about spiritual things. And spirituality builds strength and stability and values into our, into our lives. And her organization now has grown to become the largest community ministry in the whole of our Baptist denomination. And she's on a government board um, or that advises, not on a government board, she advises on a board that advises the Prime Minister and other MPs that are there. And she's been doing that for about 10 years. And the Prime Minister and mayors and MPs come to their church and their ministry to see what's going on because they're all so impressed by the outcomes that this group's actually having. Last year, the pastor of the church got to pray with Jacinda, and they've got a really cool picture of, of Gary doing that, praying for, for her when she visited because the government loves the results that are actually being, being um, 
happening in people's lives. And many times that's because they've come into a relationship with Jesus Christ and their life has absolutely changed. So frustration can start all sorts of good things. It can be right in your family. You may be frustrated about something. I was talking to someone once, a dad, who was having altercations with his teenage sons. And, and, uh, and suddenly the frustration brought him to a point where he realized he was driving his son away. And if he didn't stop, he was going to destroy and severely or severely damage the relationship. And suddenly there was an aha moment for him. And he realized, I need to give my son the same grace that Jesus Christ has given to me. And when he started talking to his son with that grace... Their relationship began to happen. Frustration can bring us to a point where change takes place. So what's frustrating you? In your family, in your career, or in the ministry here at St. Albans Baptist? And I'm just going to focus for a few minutes on the ministry here at St. Albans. Because perhaps you're frustrated about something that's happening, but not happening as well as you'd like to see. Or you're frustrated because you can see gaps where things could happen, but they're not happening. And I want to say to you that perhaps the gaps you see that frustrate you are an invitation from God to get involved and to solve it. Even maybe to start something new in the church here. And often being able to bring that to pass involves other people. God told Moses, get 70 people. I doubt you'll find 70 helpers. But if you look around, you need to look around and see who is on your team. Who else would be interested in getting involved in this? And there'll be more than you think. There'll be an Eldad and Medad somewhere around the the team as well. And they probably won't be in the finished product, elder, uh, not elder, but mature person state. Many of them will be like um, fresh, oh, I can't think of the right name, clay. needing to be molded and needing to have some rough edges taken off. But, you know, if, if you have a sense, sense of vision, it will attract people to you for that. Talk about your frustration with the trust staff. Talk about it with the, your connect group. Look for quality people, people who are mature. Have coffee with those peoples and sh- people and share the dream. Hey, wouldn't it be great if this were able to happen, if we could actually get a small group of people that would enable this gap to be actually filled? You know, John Scott, you hear John? Can we just have the picture up of, of John? John Scott went to Samoa in 2009 when the tsunami hit with other, with other guys from the church here to rebuild homes. But he came back really frustrated because I remember John saying to me, he said, the islanders have forgotten how to, how to make canoes. You know, they for, and maybe they're not even allowed to cut down the coconut trees and carve canoes out anymore, but they've forgotten how to do it. And he said, people are fishing on the shore and the fish are way out there and other people are standing in water up to, up to this chest area and they're throwing their line out and if they catch a fish, they have to tie it to something attached to their belt. Not a very good idea in shark-infested waters. And John came back really frustrated, and he thought about it, and he thought about it, and he prayed, and he prayed. 
And, and you know what? Some of you came around him and you began to say, John, something could happen here. And he designed the, a canoe. Can we go and have a look at some of them? He designed a canoe and he went back. And Malcolm, you joined him amazingly and have been back and back and back. And Paul Crookshank and others. In fact, how many of you have been to, with John to Samoa? Just raise your hand. Look at these people around the church that have gone there. The frustration drove him to it. And then the frustration became something else because John was taking three weeks or a month off with no pay to pay for himself to be able to fly to Samoa and, and teach uh, the, the Samoans uh, that were interested how to make these canoes. And the cost of that is really significant if you're going several times a year and taking that sort of time off. And that drew to him Carol. Evans, and it drew to him Leanna uh, and others who, who said, we need to get a trust around you and we need to fundraise. And the church could even put some money in there. And we've been doing that for years now, putting money in because the frustration, we could see the vision, but the frustration meant that people came on his team. Do you see what I'm saying? Or what about this guy, Richard Starling? Is Richard, are you here today? Came the reply. Richard had a passion for change in Aranui, and he'd seen, uh, in some families, dysfunction. He'd seen abuse. He'd seen suicides. And this, this passion in Richard caused him to get in a car every Friday night with a couple of mates, and they parked outside Aranui High School, and they prayed that God would raise up something that would change how the people in Aranui uh, f felt about their children and, and the, what was happening for the children in the area. And they prayed for two years every Friday night until God spoke to them and said, okay, enough of the prayer. Now I want you to go and introduce yourself to the principal of the high school and, he's go and ask him for this, this, and this. And that was the beginning of their ministry. And now they own three shops. And this was a, um, a carving being unveiled on one of the shops that they have there in, in Hampshire Street. But they own actually three of them. And they own them because businessmen got around Richard. His vision drew people who had come out of the hood and had made it in life. And they said, we believe in you. We've got the money. We will buy these shops so that you can do the ministry. Let's have another picture. And these are some of the kids that, that Richard works with. Another one. And uh, there you can see the carvings once they are actually unveiled. Go there. We've got a trust around this. Um, Crossroads Youth with the Future Trust. And as a church, we give money every year. But Richard's vision that he's had for these kids for years, 25 years longer and longer um, has meant that he's drawn Robert Norris around him and Tony Norris and Sue Norris and Anna Button around him and they're all on, on the board that is um, over, the trust board that's overseeing this because frustration if you, if you hold on to it and press through can lead to amazing ministries amazing ministries and you know today is the the day of the AGM. Now, forget about the word AGM. We have to call it that. But it's a time where we're talking to our volunteers and so, that have served so well um, to many of you uh, today. And I, I just encourage others of you to come. But, but what I want to say is, let's have a look at some of the pictures. of, of there's, there's the team. Um, wonderful, wonderful people. Can we give them a hand? 
If you stay, you get a light lunch, and it'll be over within three quarters of an hour. So you're not committing your afternoon. It's going to be just a really smooth operating time, and you'll see a great video of, of a lot of the work that they do. But just take the next three or four slides through. This is uh, one of the walking groups that goes on. How many need, need to walk your 1,000, 10,000 steps every day? How many of you are doing that, walking your 10,000? Oh, come on. I talked to some of you, and I know you were in the watches. Oh, you're very, you're very quiet. <laughs> so all they're doing is saying, here's an opportunity. Let's do it together. And you know when you go walking with people, what's the thing you do? You talk. It's wonderful. Really good. Another one of the events being out there. And, of course, we run meals um, around about just every five, six weeks. There's a meal here. Uh, some, some, somewhere between 50 and 80 people um, being on and wonderful people sitting together, talking, eating. Really cool. One of the walks obviously took them to an exercise place and they're, they're getting it on. <laughs> Another one of the events, really liked by sheep. If you, if you become a volunteer in the Neighbourhood Trust, the sheep will love you. It's just incredible the things that are, are taking place. Don, um, I'm going to play a clip of Don sharing something, but Don is running something called Kiwi Dads, and um, they, they're just seeking to connect with, with dads, particularly solo dads. Um, but just listen to his story of one of the things he got involved in. Well, good day, everyone. We've got a very different scene again today. Did something different last, uh, oh, yesterday, actually. Uh, from our normal thing, and we're going to do something a little bit different again today. I'm uh, in the red zone in Christchurch, near the Avon River, and beside me you see this trailer with a whole lot of things on it. There's a fridge, and there's a number of different pieces of furniture. I'm going to come and stand in my car, and when we look inside my van, you can see that it's chopper as well, with all sorts of stuff. There's, uh, oops, there's some artwork. <laughs> Made a mistake there. There's some artwork. There's um, right beside me in my seat. There's a brown box that's called a Kai box. So we've got some food and uh, which we give to some of our families who are in need. I'm not reading a story today. I'm going to actually tell you a story, and it's a true one. And this is something that has happened uh, to me quite a lot. And that is when sometimes a need arises, and all of a sudden, at the same time, people who don't know about this need provide things or tell me about things that they've got that they don't need anymore. One of these happened a number of years ago, uh, probably about 10 years ago or so. And I was working at St Stephen's Anglican Church at the time. A lady called me and said she had a, it was almost brand new, stand-up, drawer freezer, so it had about four or five drawers in it, and she said, I don't need it anymore, would you like it? And I thought, of course I would, love it. So I thought, you know, I could use it for storing stuff, for preserving my fruit and doing all those sort of things. So I got a hold of it, got it home, and within the week, the Shirley Community Trust, who work out of St Stephen's Anglican Church, here in Christchurch, they put out a request saying that they were in need of a freezer to store large amounts of cakes and slices because every Friday morning they would do a, uh, a coffee morning and they needed a place to store it. 
and tell you what, that, that got me right in the heart. It was like, ooh, I'd love to keep it, but I have a feeling that it's been put into my hands to be able to pass on to someone else. Well, that's kind of what's happened over the last two or three days. Uh, a, a particular need for somebody who has been moved into a house or a flat but doesn't have anything very much in the way of furniture or things to furnish it. The need, that need's been raised. And so, at the same time, over these last two days, about two or three people have contacted me just out of the blue. One person who I haven't seen for several years just came out of the blue, turned up and said, I've got all this stuff, would somebody like it? Now this is, this is just, it, it happens again and again and again for me. And I feel like God has put me in a position where I can be, I suppose you could call it a channel or a funnel where stuff is poured in, brought to me and, and my family so that we can then pass it on to the right person who needs it. Thanks, and Josh. So Slowly coming up. Keep the lights coming up. I'll just finish a, a little bit of that story. Um, you know, the amazing thing of being part of the trust, and, and you could be part of this with Dom, seriously, um, is that someone had come out of prison and they, they needed, they had nothing. They needed stuff. And Dom was able to, because of the generosity and the timing of the Holy Spirit, just prompting people, give those things um, to this person and be God's hands and God's mouth and God's, God's vehicle to be able to bless that person. Isn't that cool? And, but you, you could volunteer into things like that Don is doing. He's one person, but, but more Dons can do good, so much more. It's incredible. We run, we run before and after school programs for kids, and, and we have done for years and years and years. And so many of the youngsters in Moriha have been blessed by, by the fact that those programs exist. And again, there's, there's places to be able to be involved. Um, English is a second language. We, we have a, a tutor who, who um, offers that, and, and she, she I read her board report just the, um, on this week, and she said, you know, there are four students who are English second language students who would like to do a course to, under, to find out about Jesus Christ. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Absolutely amazing. But she just loves on people teaching them. That could be so much bigger. But I'm going to hand over to Nairi, our, our uh, general manager of the trust, to share a few more stories. I'll get it for you. Thank you. Kia ora, everybody. Um, for those who don't know me, my name's Nairi Button, and I'm um, managing the Neighbourhood Trust at the moment. And John asked me to share a few thoughts and as I prayed, I just I really thought about my own journey and in terms of the frustrations I have and and the um, the things that stir my heart. And I just wanted to read you um, one of the defining scriptures of my life. Josh, if you could bring that up. Oh, sorry, that's not not very big, but anyway, Isaiah six verse eight, and it says, "Then one of the angel seraphs flew to me. He held a live coal that had been taken." with tongs from the altar. He touched my mouth with a coal, and he said, Look, this coal has touched your lips. Gone is your guilt. 
Your sins are wiped out. And then I heard the voice of the master saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I spoke up, I'll go, send me. And, you know, I can't believe the places that I've ended up by praying that prayer. Jesus, here am I, send me. Um, the, the people I've met and the opportunities I've had, the opportunities to influence, um, to influence decision-making, sometimes great things and sometimes small things. Yesterday, I was doing dishes at a wedding, a special kind of wedding, a, a secret wedding it was actually. I wasn't even allowed to tell people um, who it was. I'm, not, I'm, I'm, you know, not, I'm talking to you about it, but you don't know. Um, but anyway, doing dishes at a wedding. Um, and yeah, I, live, I lead a privileged life. And, and, and I enjoy that. I appreciate the blessings of God in my life after, you know, 30 years of serving him and I can just look back on my life and see how he's blessed me. But there's a special kind of joy that comes when we can do something for people. And, you know, the, I, I get calls now because learning experience put my phone number on the, um, as a reference so I get the phone calls on the, for the Kai boxes. And, you know, I got one recently from a mum with four kids and, you know, she said, I, I've, I've been told that, that you have food. And, and I said, yeah, we deliver. She said, can you bring me some? And I said, we deliver on Thursdays. Is that okay? She said, me and my kids have, not, have nothing. No. Um, it's urgent. And so it's like I'm becoming well known at the office for saying, I think John can do that. <laughs> <laughs> so John goes and takes a kai box to this lady, but there's something special. There's a joy that comes that doesn't come from any other thing that we do or own or possess when we can help people like that. So um, I just want to finish with a, the, um, I think it's the chorus of a song that I really love. And it says, um, Spirit lead me where my trust is without borders. Like, where my trust has no limits. Let me walk upon the waters, like, into the realm of the miraculous. Wherever you, wherever you would call me, take me deeper than my feet could ever wander. You know, past the, where I would naturally go. And my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Saviour. And, you know, and when we step into... To, to address some of the frustrations that John's talking about. Whether we do it as an initiative ourselves because of our frustration or whether to, to, to come along somebody else who's leading and, um, and help out and be a part of that, there is a blessing in that. There is fav the favour of God on it and there is a special kind of joy and sense of fulfillment. So I just encourage you as you listen to the rest of John's message, think about Jesus, here am I, send me. Can you bring the team up? Cheers, Nari. Team, can you come up? We're just drawing to a close. I just want to paint a few future possibilities. You know, the third age, you with me? Retirement. The third age. All that experience and wisdom, energy. <laughs> You've got some left. Why would you want to waste it? 
Why wouldn't you want to do what the volunteers who were here and volunteering when I came 24 years ago, they're still volunteering, but they're 24 years older. Why wouldn't you, you, as you're approaching the third age, want to not let any of that energy and experience and, and contacts that you have for various things go to waste? You know, whether it's biking, don't go off biking by yourself and think I'm going to bike for the next 20 years by myself or with my little group of three. Why don't you think we can have 30 of us? We can have 50 of us. There are so many people who live just up towards Redwood and Belfast. There's thousands of people who the number of relationships and friendships are getting smaller. They don't know people. Not everyone's in these glitzy and glamorous Um, super lovely retirement homes. A lot of people just with their networks getting smaller and smaller. And you know, God's given us all a mission of reaching people and touching people and loving on people and sharing with people. True? Go into all the world, he says. Go into Redwood. Go into Belfast. Go into Merivale. Go into Edgeware. And let people know the things that are actually taking place. You know, so much possibility, games together, trips together. Why not start a, why don't we start a book club or an op shop or do projects together? English is a second language. We have one tutor with a number of students. But I know there have been seasons in this church's life where we've had four or five people trained in ESOL. And, and why not volunteer your skills and abilities for a night? And, and why not someone who can play um, a guitar come along and, and, and provide some, some time for singing? Because that's a great way of, of learning the English language. And, and, and why not, why couldn't we have a meal happening there so that we didn't just have ESOL this size, but we had it this size. And the buildings down in in, um, Nancy Ave end up being too small, so we have to get another venue for them because there's energy and there's vision and there's people wanting to make a difference. Why couldn't it happen? You know, I'd love to see a men's shed happen around here where men and women, if they want to use tools, get together and, and just make stuff. You know, we've got a double garage down the back there, but we could build something much bigger and extend even that as well and have guys working together, chatting on projects. John Scott, can you imagine John teaching canoe building to Icon's kids and parents out of that shed down there? It's a great vision, John. (laughs) Jeff, Jeff's got a, a garage full of tools There's so many tools. There's tools for Africa. And he's got so much knowledge in his head that could be put together. We could have guys building motorhomes as a project out of a men's shed. Am I out? Yeah, aluminium canoes. (laughs) Open the TY smelter for a bit more and get some fresh aluminium in. Why not? What are you sitting on? What's frustrating you? You think, oh, it'd be good if that happened, but someone should do it. God might just be saying, no, why not you? Why wouldn't you want to join something that's already operating? Or come up with an idea and talk to your mates, talk to your friends, to, to the point where you can actually see how it could come to pass. Really small things can end up being very, very big things. God dream dreams happen because some people say, everyone might say it can't happen, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it.
I read it. No, I'll leave it. We're done. Um, if, if you want to say yes to God, if God were to tap you on the shoulder or speak silently into you a vision or a thought for something fresh and something new or joining something, and you want to say, God, I'm open to it, I want you to stand right where you are now and I want to pray for you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You don't have to do my, my vision, John. You do your own. God, Moses didn't understand all this when it was actually happening. It took revelation. But we live in a day when the Spirit's been poured out upon all people who come to know Jesus Christ. And when we're baptized, we get flooded with him and we're much more empowered. So I just pray you'll be speaking to these ones that have, sp have stood today, Lord, and you'll be just lighting something within their lives, a dream, an idea, possibilities, that their life won't be wasted. They won't be one of the ones who come to retirement or go into retirement, but they die early because the passion and the vision in their life's got less. I really pray that they'll hear your voice, they'll talk it out, and they'll find a way. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Can we have everyone standing as we close? We're just going to finish with that new one we learned earlier on. Beginning to the end, all my life is in your hands. This whole world may hold me down, but it can never drown you out. I'm not merely flesh and bone. Something more You are God You're the great I am Breath of life I breathe you in Even in the fire I'm alive in you You are strong in my brokenness Sovereign over every step Even in the fire I'm alive, I'm alive in you dark I hear your voice rising up I will rejoice for I was lost but now I'm found even dead all right all right wow I love John's passion don't you passion Wow. Now, I've got a word for um, Unari. Ooh. And I got it in the night. So it's, um, yes, it's like, 
you know, I God wants to encourage you. God wants to come and re-inspire you. And um, well, it's like I see your journey like a roller coaster. Some of the highs have been so high you thought you'd never come down. And but it wasn't long before the high tipped down into the valley and it was like in those valleys you never thought you'd get up and but God God came and he took you by his hand and he lifted you up and placed your feet upon the rock the Lord Jesus Christ and you saw again that he was with you you saw that God cared for you and it's like that well that God in those times broke things off you. There was in those times the most difficult and the most frustrating of times that God lifted you up and you saw him in a way you never saw him before. It's like he, awa- he awakened you. The light shone through the darkness and the light became brighter than the darkness and you came into a place where you saw him and you Whoa, and you knew that he saw you. And that was the sweetest of times, the sweetest of moments when you knew the eye of the Lord was upon you and he came and he lifted you up and he brought you into a place of flourishing once again. God renewed your strength. God took you from glory to glory. And there were times when you thought, God, why didn't those high moments go on and on? Why did they tip down like the roller coaster into the valleys? And it's because God, well, he saw you as, cared for you more than the task. He cared for you in that moment and he wanted to put it renew a right spirit a right a renew a change and bring forth out of the out of that downtime something that was richer something that was deeper something that was anointed for your future and your hope was renewed and it took you into a place that you knew your God and you knew that he would never leave you he would never forsake you and he would never fail you And it's like God's taking you on. He's taking you on and he's renewing your strength once again. And you will not falter. Fear not. Fear not. For the way ahead is a straight path. It's a path that God will be there again and again to give you strength and to encourage you on your journey as you walk with him. He will not fail you. Great word, great encouragement. That's it, folks. Church is over. Um, There's a cup of tea and coffee. Make sure no one walks alone. Make sure you connect with people around you. If you see someone alone, just introduce yourself. But thank you for being here this morning. Hope you can stay for a light lunch and for some celebration of our volunteers.